what's going on, everybody? This is Nolan Samber with Infinite Banking Radio, and I've got an awesome, awesome call today. It's actually with uh, a real estate agent. He's a friend of mine. He's actually in the process of selling a lot of my rental properties up in uh, Kokomo, Indiana. Um, but what the value that I'm trying to bring to him is to help him as a real estate agent is to be different, right? There's a lot of real estate agents out there. Everyone's trying to compete in the sa- in a market that uh, can be saturated at some times. And so the way that I want to help him and show maybe you is just the conversation and the dialogue that we have back and forth talking about how to understand real estate transactions, certain metrics, the relationship between these metrics, and how hopefully he can implement some of the strategy using depreciation, understanding cost segregations, understanding rates of return and expense ratios, and all of those things that go into being a successful investor. But if he's able to actually go out there and position things in sophistication to his investors, he's going to have a leg up on the competition. So this is a call that we went back and forth. It's a Zoom call. It's also on our YouTube page. If you want to see the actual pro forma um, that we work through versus just listening to it. But um, I think you're going to really enjoy this, especially if you're somebody that's an aspiring real estate investor. You can kind of jump into the mind of how we think as investors. But most importantly, what are some of the most important metrics that you try and run through when it comes to working with bankers and lenders and syndication partners? So hopefully you'll really enjoy this, guys. But uh, before we get started, here's a quick word from our sponsor. My Financial Snapshot is the official sponsor of the Infinite Banking Radio podcast. My Financial Snapshot builds personal financial tools to help you track your finances. Their Snapshot tool is the first easy-to-use and reusable personal financial statement builder available online. It's the perfect solution for real estate investors and business owners. Their budgeting tool takes the hassle of budgeting away and lets you focus on the results of your budget. Individuals can get unlimited access to their tools and educational resources for $44.99 a year or $6.99 a month. For Infinite Banking Radio listeners, use coupon code INFINITE20 for 20% off your subscription for life. Use the link in the description and get started making personal finance easy and simple today. My thought is, is kind of just, so here, here's, let me just kind of walk back on what, like I was texting the other day. So I, I made a video about this just the other day, just because... I had a guy um, in Tuscaloosa. He's a he's, you know, I don't know how new or whatever you know you are in real estate or whatever, but he's still pretty new. I'd say this is maybe he he's been in real estate for like eighteen months. He's more on the residential side, so he's not really in the commercial side yet. But I called him yesterday or last week or whatever, and I was just like, look, you know, he sends me this you know this flyer and he sends me the rent rolls of this building, right? And it's like, you know, it's got like on the bottom floor, it's got you know three three uh, or three spaces for commercial. And then on the top, it's like 12 residential or whatever it was. Right. Well, he sends right. me the flyer and then he sends me the, re- uh, the, the, um, the rent rolls and he calls me, Hey, Nolan, I got a cool deal for you. Check out your inbox. Call me if you got any questions. Right. And I was right. like, okay, cool. So I basically just like, I just looked at it and I'm like, okay, I can't make a decision based off of just what you sent me. And so what I called him, I said, look, dude, this is what can make you different. Like if you had this conversation with me, have so I, I instead of just sending me the flyer that he got from the broker and sending me um, you know, again, just the the rent rolls, right? I can't form an opinion and pull the trigger quick if that's all the information I have. So what I said is like, say, look, call me. I said, Haynes, call me back and let, let's let's walk. This is how this is the conversation I want you to have with me. And I'll teach you this. But I want you to say, hey, Nolan. 
I've got a deal for you. Do you have, do you have five minutes? And I'd be like, yeah, of course I do. I've got five minutes. What do you, what do you got? Okay. Here's what I've got. I've got a building over here on university Boulevard. It actually sits caddy corner across the embassy suites. If you've driven on Saturdays for these football games, you've probably driven by it a hundred times. This right. building is for sale right now. The guy's asking $4.2 million. I think it's completely overpriced. What I'm going to forward you, I'm going to send you the rent rolls, but I've already done my whole spreadsheet. I've, uh, here's the pro forma that I've used for this. My thought is this, and we're going to go over the numbers. I think we get it at $3.5 million. Let me show why. Here's the property taxes. Here's the expenses. Here's the leases that I actually have already gotten. I see that there's $50 rent bumps every six months, whatever the numbers would be. Here's where my opinion really, here's where the value is of this building. There's something actually that's being built down the street or even in a mile from here uh, where I really think the value is that three of this commercial spaces, only one of them are currently occupied. I think we have the opportunity to buy it at a discount. This broker that actually sent it to me, I know that he doesn't work with a lot of creative guys, but this seller is creative. So I know that we have the opportunity to come in on this and offer some type of creative deal at maybe a higher price point but he might be able to carry back or leave some money in the deal. I'm going to forge you all this information that I got on this particular property, all the ins and the outs, because I know that this cap rate right now is hovering at about a seven, but I think we can bump them up to eight and a half or even 9% because I know the price of debt right now and everybody else is feeling that squeeze. I'm going to forge you what I got to get your eyes on it. Look at it by end of business day. Let me know. And if you need me to go to bat, I will. Sound good? Sounds good, man. And, he for and, and it's in my inbox as we're having the conversation. Think right. about you doing that to somebody. Think about how you can have an investor be like, dude, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll look for it, right. you know? And so that's kind of where how I would like hope to have you thinking. And I'll, so let me share my screen with you, man. Let me just share. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, to chime in and, 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 and go, yeah, give me your thoughts. Give a, give a quick thought on that. I mean, yeah, of course. Just a completely different interest generator, right? I mean, the, the way that you vocalize that, that, that other option of coming at somebody. I mean, it's almost like I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing and yeah. immediately go, I got to look at this, you know, <laughs> what did he find that, you know, other people aren't sharing with me right now. And, you know, if I let this sit on, sit in my inbox, even until end of day, you know, I might, I might be, you know, wasting out on an opportunity here. So dude, 100% and, and not even two, I look at this and think if you, if you were to send that to me, that information, I, I will be able to be. Like if I, if I know what information, if he, if you know what information I need in order to make a decision, that's probably how I could probably distill it down. Like right. instead of, and again, I don't know if you've done this or at all. I'm just saying that for this guy, he's new. Instead of just sending me what you've been given from the broker, you know, put your own spin on it and give me the information I need in order to make a decision. Right. So like, right. And, and I'll share this pro forma with you, dude. Like, um, I'll share all this stuff with you, but this is basically how I run my numbers on every deal. Like I'll, this is a building that I'll hopefully have under contract, hopefully this afternoon, we'll see. But, okay. um, and this is commercial. So, you know, you can mix this in for residential if you'd like, but I'll, I'll, I will make one of these for you and share it with you so you can have it, put your own little sauce on it, spin it how you want. But these yeah. blue numbers are, are the, uh, are the variables. Everything else is just formulated out. Okay. Okay. But like, so, so right now, this is a building that I hope I'll get under contract this afternoon for $1.1 million. Um, it's an owner-occupied building right now. So basically, the guy's selling it to me. He's going to even carry back a second position on it, which is pretty sweet. But I so think we'll all be able to – Is he going to continue to run his business in the, in the building for a couple of years? No, is he no he's, it's kind of crazy. His uh, I won't get all into the details, but he's, he's looking to like just move to Florida essentially and okay. just kind of exit out of this thing. 
but I've kind of ran some preliminary numbers with my leasing guy. And he's like, we'll be able to lease this thing at probably six bucks, but run it at five fifty a foot. So yep. this is, this is just what I'm going to be able to get in rent per foot. And, th- and the way I get to this obviously is, you know, if I go 16,200, right, it's going to just change the rent per foot. All what right. My monthly rent is. So cool. um, that will change that number. And then that will obviously what I get in rent is going to change the cap rate. Um, but this is what I anticipate this deal being at. Okay. Yeah. And so just to look at some of the numbers, I'm, I've, I had an actual conversation with the banker this morning. I was asking about what his opinion is. If a guy carries a second position, if that's something that he's interested in, and of course the banker's like, look, as long as we're in first position, we don't really care because a right. second position mortgage is just simply a contract between me and the seller. Right. It's like, so that's, that's neither here nor there, but he's going to get interest on that. But um, this building. So again, um, and I, and I want to, I'll share this with you so you can have this for yourself, but really what I'm, I, I want to help you with is I want to help you have those sophisticated conversations with your investors, right? So right. when you call a guy, you can have, you can have that information that you know that your investors will need in order to be that much quicker to pull the trigger because they have the information that they need to make that decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so kind of the way that I look at this is I, I'll, I'll change. If, if this number is 1.1 million acquisition dates, obviously those are, you know, you can change those. <clears throat> uh, so loan to value, obviously we're going to borrow 70%. And this will just show down here the senior the senior loan or the senior debt would be 770000 And, you yeah. know, you can change this to 80% and it changes these numbers. You know, I like having, I, I like 70, 75%, yep. uh, you know, 30% equity, just... Um, especially if I can have the seller carry that 30%, then it, then I'm in the deal for no money. And then it's right. an infinite return, right. you know, um, right. debt right now is seven and three quarters right now. I'm, I'm anticipating maybe getting a little bit less than that, but this is probably a pretty fair assumption. Okay. Um, so you see my annual debt service right now is basically $76,000. Um, and let's just run these numbers. Let's just say that my second, let's say that he's going to leave 300 grand in the deal. So this is my second position mortgage. Let's say the owner carries this amount. I know there's a lot going on. I'll walk you through all the all this stuff here in a minute. But um, I don't really focus. What's that? A lot of the numbers before, but uh, the okay. way. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to talk to you like in third grade, of course. Um, <laughs> You're good, I, man. I, I I make this kind of spreadsheet for myself. So like right. some things, you know, you probably recognize, and some things you don't. Obviously, like vacancies, everyone knows those. Obviously, managed fees, everyone knows those. Whatever. What um, is hurdle rate? Hurdle rate's a new one for me. Hurdle rate is just if I have an investor that I want to bring in the deal, or or um, or he, you know, he's a syndicate partner of mine. What yeah. I'll do is that's just kind of the number. So the the reason why hurdle number is important is because there's a metric called a weighted average cost of capital, and that's yep. on this return page. And so weighted average cost of capital. So basically, what the WAC says, if I can distill it down to one sentence, it just means that if I have a higher cash on cash return than this weighted average cost of capital. This is basically what my cost of debt is. If I'm borrowing someone else's money or if I have a syndicate partner where he requires his you know his investor or his investments or a 10% return that he's got to get, right. I know that this is what I have to return on the deal. 8.43 has to be my return has to be higher than that for the deal to make sense. That's okay. about as easy as I can distill it down. So yeah. if you run the numbers out of whack and it's and your whack is eleven percent, but your cash on cash is eight, don't do the deal. Yep. 
you always want to make sure that your your cash on cash return is higher than your weighted average cost of capital. Okay. Yeah. Um, and this will change. So like if I turn this to 12%, what this will do, if you go back over here, that whack will change. You see that? Uh, How yep. that's 9% now? So yep. the lower the hurdle number, so essentially the lower that your, your return has to be. But I kind of keep 10%. I just show double digit rate of returns as just kind of, you know, anytime I want to borrow someone's money, uh, right. I always just assume 10% is what somebody will, is, is enough for them one to tango with me. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, and then obviously just with, with the buildings that we're buying, they're all triple net leases. So I don't have any of these expenses. My tenant, you know, my tenant incurs these expenses. They pay the property taxes, they pay the insurance, they maintain the building, they pay their utilities. And I really don't even have a manager because it just takes a little bit of time out of the gate to set up the ACH, but that's, yeah. you know, basically it. But, um, down here where this is, this is what I think is, can bring the value to you, these numbers right here. And I focus on this first column, which is year one, just because um, all these things are going to be, these numbers will all be, you know, um, variable out based upon your, your revenue growth and your expense growth. Okay. So these numbers will, you know, these numbers based going out into the future will change depending upon your forecast of revenue. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, so if I'm looking at these at these numbers here, of course, income, you know, have a little bit of, you know, I put maybe a little bit of vacancy or or economic occupancy in there, just a little bit of cost somehow, just because, you know, whatever. Um, but if I go down here to my net operating income, obviously um, I don't have any, I don't have any expenses or my costs. I don't have any expense costs. So my expense ratio is zero. If you're using apartment buildings, if that's kind of what you're running, um, which you do those. I would look at an expense ratio. If you can keep that under 35%, yeah. which if you see this, like to say property taxes are eight grand, which is what it's going to cost. You know, if it's an apartment, you see that expense ratio pops up a little bit. Yep. So if we got insurance, that's $7,500, right? It's, you know, um, that expense ratio starts to go up. And that expense ratio essentially just says, you know, what of the income that you earn, how much of it, of it is expenses, basically. Yeah. So if you got a hundred grand in income and you got 10 grand expenses, your expense ratio is 10%. Yep. And so if you can keep that below 35% on an apartment building, I feel like that's something that's a good metric to like think in your head that that can make sense. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but these numbers right here, you guys, you know, debt service coverage ratios. Yep. Um, these are important. Obviously these are a couple different numbers that I just look at. Um, my debt service of course is the same number that matches my annual debt service. Okay. Um, and that's the same, it's the same number here. But also, too, that, of course, that number, if I go over to my amortization table, that's that number divided by 12. That's my my monthly debt service cost yeah. right there. Um, and again, I'll share all this stuff with you. Obviously, if I got a debt service ratio that's above 1.25, most banks will will be thrilled by that. You know, um, And of course, that just means if I bring $125,000 in, my debt service is 100 grand. You just divide your net operating income divided by your debt service, and that's your your debt service ratio. Okay. Um, I have a you know this is a, a interest only debt service ratio number. So if I have you know if I'm borrowing money, if I'm borrowing this seven seventy at seven point seven five percent interest only, um, you know that's just going to be a different number. It's just going to be you know fifth almost sixty thousand dollars, and that's obviously. 2.41%. If you can find a way to do a deal where you're basically earning double 
what it would cost you annually to, to, to service debt. That's a freaking slam dunk. Right. Right. Um, and so that's just, so that's IO debt service, interest only debt service. Here's second mortgage debt service. And where that number comes into play is up here. So this number, these, this amount and this interest rate will change based upon, you know, if the number goes up or goes down in the interest rates. And so you can, those are variables because they're blue. Yeah. Um, and then, so cash flow to equity, this one just describes, um, you know, obviously how much net cash flow we earn ver divided by how much we deployed, how much our equity is. So you're looking at 18% return cash on cash. Interest only is 22%. And then of course, if you, you know, implement a second position mortgage, that's just basically, um, this number is just the annual cash flow minus our second position mortgage and divided by what our equity in the deal is. So, um, Quick, quick, quick question, just based yeah. after the last three that you, you, you talked about there. Um, you know, when you first looked at this deal, what was the most important metric to you? Were you more concerned with, you know, cap rate going in or like cash on cash? So, because, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I just, you know, I had a brief conversation with an investor yesterday who kind of posed the same question to me where he's like, Hey, look, you know, I'm not going to market right now to sell my property, but I'm open to, you know, seeing an offer. So if you want sure. to talk to your buyers, I'll send over the rent roll. Um, and he said, I'm just curious, you know, are most of your buyers more, more concerned with cap rate or, or cash on cash return? I said, most of the time, it's probably going to be a cap rate that even gets them, you know, open to really looking at a deal. I mean, Agreed. a tighter cap's going to keep, you know, more, more, more investors away and, and not even really caring about moving forward on something. I mean, higher cap rates these days will probably bring buyers out of the yeah, you know, out of the cornfield, all over the place. You're yeah. gonna be throwing money at a deal. So um, I don't think I've usually paid as much attention to cash on cash return as I think it is important these days. So I guess I just wanted to see between you know those two metrics, what what was kind of was either one yeah. you know more favorable right off the bat or something you were more concerned with. No, that's a good question. And so I think there's two answers. The, the first answer is obviously the cap rate is just going to give you an idea of how good the deal is, right? I mean, if it's if it's a four cap, but the building is a Walgreens, well, then it's something to look at. But if it's a four cap and it's an apartment building, well, you're like, well, you know, it's just overpriced. You know, you, you know that. Um, right. Obviously, with cash on cash, you know, the cash on cash return is all about the terms of the deal, right? I mean, it's like you can buy something, you can buy something at a four cap. But if you get some guy that's going to sell it to you, owner finance with no money down and amortize it over a hundred years, well, it still might not be a bad deal, you know? Right. So right. I go into deals, especially, especially buildings like that. Are, I mean, this one's 27,000 feet and this guy, this guy's, I mean, he's wanting to be creative. So I look at it and think there's two things that I always go into every deal. If you know a guy that's got to hit a certain purchase price, like if you got a seller or you got a buyer says, Hey, I got to get this purchase price or whatever. Give them the purchase price, but you get the terms. That way he gets what he wants, and I'll go in and negotiate my ass off on the terms. Like amortize it out over 30 years, six months interest only, you know, no payments for six months, interest only with, you know, and then and then find a way to get him what he wants, but then you can get what you want with the terms. You know what I mean? Right. right so that's right. been my does does this follow so far on kind of like, you know, just being on the same page with just some metrics that I because yeah, I, I always just look at this at this number. If I'm going to do a deal or not, this is my number one number that I look at is the debt service ratio. Because if I know that I go call my banker and he says to me, Nolan, what's the debt service ratio? And I said, it's a one nine. He's, he's all, instead of him saying like, think about yourself playing baseball. Like if you're hitting, 
And if, if you're an aggressive hitter, you're, you're saying yes, 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 yes. And then it's a ball and you say no, right? Yep. Versus a hitter that's more passive and it's no, 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 no. And then swinging yes. You know, if right. my de- if my banker sees one nine, he's in his head, he uh, um, uh, immediately begins to say yes to the deal before even looking at anything else. Because right. this number, he can go to his loan committee and agree that, hey, you know, this is a pretty solid base hit. We've got good collateral. This is a great building and a great location. Right. So if our guy gets abducted by aliens, the building is still going to cash flow. You know what I mean? Right. So, no, I, I love your reference. You've used it multiple times. It, it, you know, it gets abducted by aliens. It's yeah. like, you know, we still got a good, good asset on our hands here. So, yeah, I like yeah. it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's good collateral, right? So that's, and, and, and I'll say this too, this is my biggest, my biggest thing. And people will ask me that question where it's okay. What's most important to you? What's most important? The right. most important thing, and this might be a little unorthodox or not what a lot of people think, dude, I, if a building, yeah, I want the debt service ratio just so I can make sure I can borrow money. That's most important because if the cash flow is great, you know, okay, whatever. I don't really care about the cash flow that much. I mean, yeah, do is it nice? Especially if I have investors, of course, I've got to give them, you know, 10, 12%, which is fine, whatever. Right. Personally, I want two things. I want equity in the building versus yeah. cash flow, but I want to borrow money. I want debt. Okay. Because there's a couple of reasons. I don't want to buy buildings because that requires maintenance. I don't want to have tenants because they require management. I don't really want to, I can't, I don't want to buy land because it's not productive. I want to borrow money. I want debt because every single time I borrow money, that debt stays the same or it goes down over time while my asset continues to appreciate and my cash flow grows. I want debt. That's what's yep. important to me. So if you okay. can go into every deal and not to mention too, when you got equity in a building, you get massive bonus depreciation deductions that you can go right. to offset against your earned income where you can wipe out your income tax. Right. So that's another that's another little base hit that you can have. But yep. most importantly, dude, is acquiring debt. It's a little against the grain of what most people, because they're afraid of debt, they hear Dave Ramsey, you know. Yep. But it's like if you're an investor, you gotta be acquiring debt. That's the game. So does this, does this all kind of are you following this? Obviously, we're on the same page about this. Okay. Yep, 100%. Um so I want to go in a little bit to the depreciation just um, because, again, dude, I, I hope that this is helpful because if you can go in again and if you could even go into an investor and say, hey, look, here's how much we're buying this building. You could do straight line depreciation. Here's what you're going to get. But I really think the move on this is if you do a cost segregation study and we take that huge bonus depreciation out of the gate, let me show you what's actually going to happen when you do this cost seg. And you have no. that information, dude, it's lights out. Now clarify with me cost segregation. That was a term yep. to me that I learned about a year ago. Is yep. is cost segregation, you know, after you maybe purchased a property and within a short period of time potentially you would then go in and do a cost segregation. It's kind of like like they're reassessing what the current value of the property is based off of, you know, any changes you've made, let's say you renovated some of the space, um, you know, you went in and did a few different things, some new cap s cap x expenses. You know, is that then when you would do a cost segregation to kind of see if the values change from what you purchased it at? Or good, good question, good question. So of course, the whole cost segregation study distill again from thirty thousand feet essentially says this: you've got items in your property. Like for example, you look in your home. I see that chandelier behind you. I see the the, the banister. Those things lose value at a faster rate of speed than the actual structure of your property. Right, your home right. that you live in. 
is depreciate over 27 and a half years. Commercial is depreciate over 39 years. That's why I, I, these are all, th- and you can change this to 27 and a half years if you like. Um, okay. But a cost segregation study, what it does actually is it takes all the items that are in, like, for example, these lights back here, the painting, this, you know, ottoman or whatever you call it, those lose value or it, it has a depreciable scale that's faster than 39 years. And so what right. happens is, this cost segregation engineer will come in and pinpoint all of these items inside of your property, figure out what that depreciable scale is. And if it's right. less than 20 years, this came back in the 2017 Jobs Act. If you if it's faster than 20 years, which everything is, yep. you can front load that entire cost into the very first year at 100% deduction. So like, wow. think about this. If you have some type of, uh, let's say um, – uh, lighting fixtures, all or, or let's say apartment buildings, and you've got a 20-unit apartment building, and there's yep. 20 dishwashers, okay? Yep. Those dishwashers lose value at a faster rate of speed than 20 years. It's actually the depreciable scale is like 15 years. And so no, most of the time, you got to do straight-line depreciation. That's what it was before. That's what a lot of people do. But when you do a cost segregation study, a dishwasher, a brand-new dishwasher, call it 600 bucks or 500 bucks. So that's $10,000 of dishwashers inside of your apartments. So 500 times 20, I think it's 10. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 grand. Now that's, and you can take 100% bonus depreciation as a passive loss in the very first year of that property when you buy it. Wow. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a loss, bro. It's 100% a deduction. So, so if you notice here, the straight line depreciation, we have the, the, the cost of investment. And that's why when I go back to this assumption page, why this value of the land is such an important metric because when I go to depreciation, you obviously can't depreciate land. Uncle Sam gets that. So the value in the property contents are a million four. Again, 39, you know, or 100 divided by 39 is 2.5641 essentially. Um, You can actually move this thing out a little bit faster if you wanted to. But um, so each year on a straight line depreciation, I can deduct $26,800. $26,800. And that, that goes against my earned income. So if I bring in 26 grand in cash flow, I lost 26 grand. There's no, there's no net income. I, I that's tax free or tax free. Right. But then of okay. course, you know, your tax consequences, things like that. So here's my potential tax refund that I would get back. Uh, or I would, I would, you know, 16 grand is what I'd probably have to be paying in taxes. Okay. But if you do cost segregation study, and most of the time, again, you don't have to do this every time my accountant, you know, he's always saying, look, you're always going to get, call it 25 to 30% of just every single time they come. We've done enough of these things. That's what that's what it comes back at. So same metrics. The difference is, though, is that look at the bonus depreciation deduction um, after the cost segregation study. So uh-huh. that's a loss. Plus, now I get to depreciate this, the rest of the building at 2.5%. So that's another depreciation. So my total depreciation is $332,000. So imagine if you you go into talking to your investor client and you have this and you can show right. them this and you can say, look, this is what you're going to get. That's the deduction that you're going to receive that you can, can carry forward every single year. You can right. carry that. So if you have this loss, you know, and then you take out $100,000 of earned income, well, you still got three hundred thirty or $233,000 of depreciation moving forward, you know? Right. So he right. will be paying income on this building for a long time. But look at yeah. this is where it gets cool. You get a uh, you get a, a refund at the end of the year for 173 grand, basically, wow. depending upon your your tax bracket. Wow. That's, that's what yeah. that's where it gets sick. And so 
that's the information again that you can bring to these guys. And then of course, you know, your sources and uses, that's not really, the, there's aren't any variables on here. Um, and then just a couple of returns. This, this top portion here is just describing an all cash deal. So if you, you yeah. know, bought it with cash or whatever. Um, yeah. And then I, I, I just always use leverage. Honestly, I just always want to borrow money. Like I mentioned a minute ago. Um, right. So if you want to just talk with your investors, here's kind of your payback period, five and a half years when you get your principal back. Um, okay. a couple other metrics that, you know, you can get into, um, so, you know, there's just a couple of things that you can kind of go back and forth and just see what the actual numbers are. But, um, obviously amortization schedule that just, there's nothing that's variables on here. Uh, your loan amount, your interest rate, what your monthly payment is. And, this, and obviously this can go all the way down, but I, I like to show my investors that I'm either going to exit or refi after year five or 60 months. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of just, I, I tend to just show an amortization schedule of five years and just say, here's, here's how much we paid down here, much interest we've paid, you know, we've, we've uh, paid over time, which is obviously all deductible, you know? Yeah. And then when you go to sell, man, I mean, I've just got a, uh, an estimated settlement statement. So, you know, here's my buyer statement when I take the deal down and here's kind of, if I ever exit, here's kind of what, um, you know, what it'll look like. So man, having them side by side like that, you know? promising and yeah great i mean yeah and so and so again dude it's just um in all these things and, and again when you start getting investors you can you know here's your syndication you can say hey 65 and that will just you know here's your refinance calculator in the future you know this is the debt service ratio that you know you need from your banker that's that's you know this is this just shows all the numbers that you know well here's what you can cash out refi if you got the rents at what you think you're going to get them to and stuff like that. So um, it's all formulated out, dude. I, I, I finally, and of course, infinite banking, if you wanted to really get cute, that's kind of the the next level up. If someone was to borrow from their life insurance policy for this equity injection, you'll yeah. see here, this is kind of what the, the average that you'll receive every year is like 4.663%. So if you know, I'll just go on this real quick, just so you can see for your own understanding. So like right. the whole point of infinite banking is just talking about leverage. It's just using other people's money. So anytime we can use the insurance company's money, even at a cost, we're still earning on that principal amount, even when we deploy it out into the marketplace. So if you notice, let's just walk down this. So the policy growth, again, $825,000, the policies multiplied by this. So here's what our policy growth will be the next year. So $38,000 in total growth, nothing to write home to mom about, but again, it's, it's a life insurance policy. There's no risk. It's guaranteed to do this. Right. So we're going to borrow from our policy, this equity, 730 or, you know, seven or 372. We pay interest on that 4%. So that's $14,000 in interest, but right. we earned 38,000. So we played the arbitrage game. So we earned 23,000 in the policy. Now return on investment, this and that. So basically, our year one, um, I, I, I used to, I call this um, intrinsic return on injected equity, which is IRIE. And this okay. number simply just represents the bonus depreciation return that we'll get, also plus the arbitrage. Okay. So um, you multiply, you add those two numbers together. That's basically, you know, your return. And this opportunity cost is just saying that um, if you were to take this same equity from a savings account, this yeah. is what you're giving up over the lifetime of the investment in compound interest. Wow. So okay. you can either take money from your checking account and you give up 82,000 in growth 
that you would have otherwise earned because you took the dollars out of its growing potential, or you can borrow from a life insurance policy, still do the same deal, play the arbitrage game, and you also would earn that 82 grand that would have otherwise gone to somebody else. Wow. And so you can show your investors this stuff, dude. And I'm telling you, you will become a part of the 1% of real estate agents and it won't even be close, dude. It will not even be close, bro. I'm telling you. I appreciate it, man. And uh, Dale, I'm, I'm hearing you. I mean, looking at yeah. this going, this is like the leg up that, you know, I was looking for on, yeah. on being able to put opportunities in front of guys. So, yeah. um, you know, thinking back, man, I mean, I've never really been one to put together like a mean, good looking pro forma. I think that was number one of the number one things I was lacking. It's like, I can take somebody's financials from, you know, the previous year and, you know, look at projections for the current year, but getting all the way to year five, year six, year seven, and really trying to go in and, you know, calculate numbers for, for, for a buyer. I mean, yeah. given, given an accurate, um, you know, LTV debt, debt coverage ratio and, cash on cash return numbers. I mean, it's all kind of foreign to me. I mean, yeah. so, yeah. um, you know, I understand the terms, but being able to really look at a deal and just quickly kind of clarify what those numbers are going to be. I mean, I think that's, you know, major it's game break. changing. It's yeah. game changing. hundred percent. And, and yeah. I mean, and over time too, man, you're, you know, especially once you get this dude and then you start seeing the relationships between the numbers and you start seeing these ratios, like, you know, you get to a point where I, I you know, I, I look at this every day when I'm looking at building. So I know what numbers I need, of course, but right. you'll do this for even a month or so, dude. And you'll get so good at this to where when you see a deal, you you most of the time don't even need to look at it in your head. I, I just can just run the numbers in my head like, OK, does this make sense or not? And then right. if I really want to get cute, or I need to raise some money. Well, then I'll go to this thing and I'll shoot an email and I'll download this as a PDF and I'll blast it out to my investors. And then most of the time, dude. It's it's funded. It's funded pretty quickly because again, you can have this sophistication and show your investors that you know what you're talking about. You know what right. I mean? Like right. this shows this shows a level of sophistication that other real estate agents simply don't have. You know, sure. you, you, yeah. you've got a leg up on everybody because you're just more prepared and you understand the actual like numbers behind the offer or behind the debt. You know what I mean? Right. So right. it can just make you better, man. And I hope that that's, yeah. I hope that that's what it can do for you. hundred percent. I'm, I'm feeling it. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm obviously seeing even for yourself, the same scenario, right? I think, yeah. uh, like a question I got for you is how many, how many deals have you tackled with partners, right? How many have you done a syndication deal with, yeah. with some other investors? Yeah, well, I've done three syndications and, and, and there, and I've had two exits. So I still have one of them. Um, okay. and, and the reason, and again, I, I don't mind syndications because I always, well, what I'll do is I'll say, Hey, like, for example, move you up here. So like, I'll always do, you know, 65, 35, or it'll be, it'll be this way. Sorry. It'll be 35, 65. So my limited partners will get the lion's share of this deal and I'll get 35% because I'm piecing it together. I'm doing the work. I'm managing it. They're essentially just injecting cash into the deal and getting a passive check every month. That's right. that's their involvement is just limited. Um, right. And so that's why I get that equity. If I can negotiate, so here, here's kind of my steps on how I go about like making an offer, okay? Or how I how I think. I got kind of like a three-step system where I think, okay, first deal I'm going in, I'm always going to have to see if I can get the owner to finance everything, right? Go in and right. see if he wants to get cute. Um, you know, maybe he needs a stream of cash flow, whatever his situation is. Right. Um, first, you know, and then I'll say if it's a million dollar deal, I'll find if I can have the the owner finance me the down payment. So I'm in it for no cash, right? 
Yeah. Then what I'll do is I, you know, I will raise the money. I don't mind doing it, but I give up equity. And the problem with the equity when I give that up is, of course, I'm in the deal for no money. So 35% of something's better than 100% of nothing, right? So I'm never going to be upset about doing a deal because I still get, but but I want the depreciation and I want the debt. That's those are the two ways that I that I view real estate is I want depreciation and I want debt because you can't get that phantom expense anywhere else. There's yeah. nothing you can get in the stock market that that gives you a passive loss without really doing anything. You know, yeah. you actually have to have losses. We're here every time you buy a building, you 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 see how large this depreciation deduction. Where else can you get without using any of your own money? Like this is a like what this will do, man, is if you go and make Think about this. This is how powerful this is. If you went and made ten, you know, uh, call it you made a ten million dollar sale, and your and your commission on this was three hundred grand, right? You bought one building, dude. You're three hundred thousand where you had to send probably a hundred grand to Uncle Sam for taxes. Right. You would get a refund of a hundred grand because you right. did. You had a passive loss. You didn't make any money on paper. Yep. That's how powerful this can be. And so. That's where if you're able to position and have your buyer educated on this actual depreciation deduction, dude, most of these guys, 95% of investors only use straight line depreciation. They don't understand cost segs and bonus depreciation. So if you can educate them on that, dude, you're, you, you will be 1%, 100%. Well, clarify clarify one detail for me too. Yeah, totally. I guess the, the, the thought is, is, you're only allowed to offset your income if you can show that your property is actually taking a loss, correct? Like if you just bought a property and you don't make any any changes to it, right? You don't put any money into it. You don't do anything. Right. Can you still have that property offset your income or do you need to spend money, make some CapEx you know, no, expenses, no. renovations, like all these things to then offset? No. No, so think about this. Think about this. You buy an you, you buy an apartment building. It's yep. got already 20 dishwashers in it, right? It's already got them there. So you can depreciate those that are already there. That's part of the it's it's part of the items in the property. So you can depreciate those. Yeah. You could basically do the cost segregation immediately. Immediately. Immediately do it. And sometimes even investors that I know have owned a building for a couple of years, they've never done this. And so I'm like, what are you doing? You're just leaving money on the table. And yeah, right. people can say, oh, we need to recapture depreciation. Yeah, you can do that, but it's at a lower taxable rate. It's it's at 20%. It's not at the actual your actual income tax bracket. It's at 20%. It's like a it's like a long-term capital gain. Right. And that's if right. you even have if that's if you never even buy anything. That's if you never 1031 or you don't buy anything in the future because you're going to get more depreciation when you buy something else. Right. Okay. Yeah. My my thought is, dude, is if is 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 debt and depreciation. That's that's really it. I can't really yeah. describe it any other way else. But that, but I I really want to just hammer down on like, because everybody, you know, every real estate agent knows how to run comps. Every real estate agent knows what a cap rate is. Everybody knows that. Like, if, even if you're if a person's in real estate for three months, they find out that the rate of return divided by the purchase price is the capitalization rate. That's like the easiest thing that you can do. But if you're different and you show them these numbers and you can get into some of these ratios and you can talk to them how you can structure the deal creatively and how maybe you've never met this broker before, but you know his you know that he does this or does that, right? You can you can come across as educated and sophisticated by having these metrics in your back pocket when you speak to them. You know, and the more you run these numbers, 
the more you're going to get familiar with the ratios and the and the relationships between between them and why certain something might make more sense for somebody else. And not to mention, too, you run these numbers, you say, hey, look, I'm going to send you two things. One's going to be an all-cash deal. I think we have this ability to buy it at this. But if we go get cute, cute and creative, this owner might want to come back and say, hey, he'll keep some money in the deal and he'll carry a second position. Let me show you what those numbers are going to look like, investor. It should be in your inbox right now. Call me back by end of business week, and we'll get together and see if it's something that you want to do. Boom. You're mm -hmm. different now. They're calling you to sell their stuff when they want to sell, you know? 100%. All right, couple questions about this deal. One, yeah. when did you start putting the numbers together? Or, or, or I guess first question would be, how'd you find out about this opportunity? Sure. So this particular building, I had a, um, a broker of mine sent it to me, and this was probably six months ago he sent it to me. And um, I went and looked at it. I mean, I have another building that's like 70,000 feet, like a mile from this building. So I love the location. It's industrial, like blue collar USA. It's like my favorite style of building. Yeah. And this love, this building actually has a mezzanine and it's like, it's like 40 feet to the ceiling, but there's a mezzanine in the middle. That's just gives it even about 39,000 feet if you wanted to count that. But I don't really count that when I'm running my numbers because I can't count on using that as square footage when I rent it, you know, when I rent per foot. Um, okay. But when I went and met this owner, he was a super nice guy. Again, he wants to sell the building, but he wasn't motivated at the time. He was asking kind of a ridiculous number. Right. And uh, so I said, look, I, I'll offer on this thing, but it's not going to be what he's asking. And then the, his broker came back and we you know, chopped it up. Well, now he's motivated. Now he's motivated. And so we didn't respond to him for like four or five days and right. we didn't respond to him. And then we shot him something. We respond. So we've been playing this kind of cat and mouse a little bit and almost playing hard to get. And then yep. now we shot him an offer out as kind of just doing him a favor because he needs to sell. So, yeah. so I'm playing this like, don't need you, don't need the building. And then he's like now really motivated to want to sell. And I was like, look, my wife is moving to Florida with or without me for my grandkids. <laughs> so I got to sell. So he was, he was the one that even offered me owner finance on it. And wow. so he's like, if you write me a check for 800,000, I'll keep 550 in the deal. And I said, wow. I like those terms, but they're going to have to be a little bit better. And so I went back and I gave him this, I gave him the, I gave him the illusion of choice. I said, I'll offer you 1.05 million or I'll offer you one point for all cash or I'll offer you 1.2 and you keep 400,000 in the deal. I'll write you a check for 800,000 at closing. So right now he's right now he's, he, we haven't heard from him yet. And we're just kind of playing. We're not yeah. responding. We're just kind of being cool about it. So, all right. But good deal. Give your, you know, an illusion of choice is always a good move too, because then that guy's like, okay, which one is best for me? He's not even thinking about responding with his own terms. He's yep. just going to go. And I don't care either way because I'll syndicate it or I'm in the deal for no money and it's still a home run. So it's really one or the other. The building will be, if you see, it's a 13% cap rate. So if the market cap is even 8.5%, look at my sale, look at the value of the building. It's wow. over $2 million. If the market is going to, and also the best part about this too, is if that's the market, if the sales price is the market, then I, then I know that's what it'll appraise for. So yep. I'll be able to cash out all my equity, maybe peg back my partners and still be in the deal for no money. So still ends up being, a, and I get all that depreciation and I get to borrow money, I get debt, you know? So wow. that's just oh, the way man. that I would approach that. I love it, man. Have you put this, this entire model together on your own or just learning from a bunch of different templates and you know, experience, you know, I had a guy, he, uh, he's a, he's a real estate guy. He kind of gave me an assumptions, um, assumptions, a return and an amortization scale. scale. He kind of gave me the, the, the bones yeah, and then yeah, I yeah. just over time kind of morphed it into like what I want to look at, like 
what metrics are important to me and my and my my bankers and my yeah. and my partners and then that's when i and then every time i position it out i highlight kind of the most important metrics when i you know if i'm looking for investors and so when people see this too man it it, it comes across as like hey this dude, this dude knows what he's talking about. You know, you shoot right. an email with a couple sentences. Hey, look at this YZ page. Look at these numbers. This is why this metric's important. Get your eyes on this thing. Talk to you by end of business. Yeah, no, it's, love it. it. It's it's great. Yeah, it's 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 good. So, um, does that kind of answer some questions? I just I just really after our conversation, dude. I just really, I don't know. As a friend, I really I value your friendship number one. But I really think this can be help you kind of catapult your career a little bit. You know. Hundred percent, man. Now I, I I value our our friendship as well, man. And I think uh, you know since I since I gave you that phone call, you know, back into January, yeah. man, I've been I've been excited every every chance you know I've had to even communicate with you and yeah, obviously help you sell, uh, you know, and get out of Kokomo. Heck um, yeah, heck yeah. You know, we're getting just, close, man. We're getting close. Yeah, we're there. We're there. Yeah. So I actually I just got an email. I think we're going to reschedule our phone call for tomorrow. But uh, okay. everything's everything's trucking along. So feeling yeah. good, excited. You know, happy to get to the finish line with this thing. Jeff and I were talking yesterday and we're like, you know, what's the holdup? We're not going in and doing, you know, it's not like they're going to do a um, a survey on 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 each unit. Yeah, right. So we, we don't know why we even need to, you know, drag this thing out four more weeks. So yeah. hopefully, you know, we can get, get some answers and just, you know, get moving. And maybe in a couple of weeks, be done with this thing, man. So I love it, dude. I love it. I love it. That's yeah, awesome. We're, we're feeling good. We're feeling like there's a chance too that maybe they're not going to come back and, you know, ask for anything. So let's hope. Let's hope that's the case. <laughs> I mean, that's, let's go, baby. Let's get it done. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah, no, man, I, uh, I really appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm happy that you, um, you know, wanted to get on this call and take 30, you know, 45 yeah, of minutes. Course, of course. Real quick because, I'll uh, always make time, dude. Again, it's one of those things yeah. where I know how much time or how valuable people's time is, and I don't want to be wasting your time. So I, I, if if I if I was like, hey, dude, I think we should get on this. I hope it was valuable enough to where you're like, okay, this this is something that's valuable and can help me in my business. You know, so 100%. I just I always tide raise all shifts, man. I just hope that I can just bring more value than I take. If that makes sense, yeah. you know, no, hundred so, cool. percent. It's, it's how you got to live life, man. You got to, every conversation, it's like, if you're bringing more value, uh, to somebody, you know, then b- before you even got engaged with them, you know, you're doing the right thing. Dude, right. So hundred yeah. percent. I love it. I love it, man. Right. I, I appreciate the time and I'm, uh, I'm excited to, you know, get through the rest of the day. I'm going to be making Let's some malls, getting some new clients and hopefully, uh, I'm going to have some new opportunities, if not for my own investments, um, that I might even just be putting in front of you, kind of get your bring it on, baby. Bring it on, bring it on. I'm always open for something. We'll find a way to make it work, dude. I hope this one works out for you. Hope you get under contract on it. I'm excited to get the details, man. Let me know how it goes. And, uh, yeah, man, keep hunting, keep doing what you're doing. You're killing it. I appreciate it, bro. I appreciate it. All right, man. Sounds good. Phil, thanks for your time, brother. Hope to talk Talk to you. Talk to soon, man. All right, dude. Have a good day, man. See See you.